Hey there, safety enthusiasts. This is Tim Ludwig from safetydoc.com. It's good to have you here. Welcome to Insights into Your Safety Culture podcast, which is simulcast as a blog on safetydoc.com. Join us on safety-doc.com for 30 years of research, stories, videos, books, and blogs, all to get your safety culture fix. Now let's get to it. Does punishment work? Absolutely, but probably not. I was intimidated. I was invited to do a workshop for the top HSE executives in a really large international corporation. It was far above my pay grade. I was invited out to dinner where they sat next to me, the Grand Poobah, the vice president in charge of all things quality and safety. During our dinner, he leans over to me and poses a question in the form of a statement. He said, Tim, I understand the principles you discussed today, suggesting that we don't blame the worker if we wish to understand the systems that we need to change when somebody gets hurt. But you should know that, you know, what I think goes on is firing somebody every now and then gets me great results. What do you think about that? Well, in a more recent conversation with a more affable and humble agency executive, a textile corporation just recently, he was asking me a similar question. He said, we're making great strides in building our safety culture across our many plants, but you know, there are some plant managers who insist that punishment is the way to manage safety. So Tim, does punishment work? So the answer, my friends, is absolutely. You know, punishment is a fundamental behavioral principle first described by B.F. Skinner way back in the 40s. He defined it as any consequence that decreases behavior. It's a fundamental principle. Punishment is any consequence that occurs as a consequence of the behavior that decreases behavior. It's the opposite of reinforcement, which he defined as any consequence that increases behavior. So yes, by definition, punishment fundamentally works. Yeah, but probably not. I want to make the case that punishment and safety is really just a threat. By the time somebody gets hurt or otherwise gets caught because they committed an unsafe act, you know, we've already lost, and so have they. They suffer pain and or some employment sanction. Here, punishment works, and this person will probably not do that at-risk behavior again. This point is most certainly true if they lost their job and lose the chance to try again. That's a really unfortunate outcome for everybody. However, we make the assumption that the rest of the workforce will will avoid the at-risk behavior that got that person in trouble. In fact, we go on to assume that our discipline programs that outline rules and punishment will keep people in line. And now we've gone away from the fundamental principle of punishment, and we found ourselves simply leveling threats to our workforce. See, in order for a consequence like punishment to be effective, the person must come in contact with that consequence. Therefore, you have to do the at-risk behavior, and it has to be followed with punishment. See, when you're threatening You're trying to stop the at-risk behavior before it starts. The problem is that these people you're working with have never had the bad experience with the punishing consequence. So you're just left making idle threats that can be a dysfunctional practice that kills your safety culture. 
and there are a bunch of problems with threats. Threats are merely antecedents. They suggest that a punishing consequence will come if you behave in a way that violates rules. But those threats have to be acted on to work. Punishment has to follow. And if it does, the punishment threatened has to be three things. It has to be personal, prompt, and probable. Now, personal, well, that's covered. A person's job is quite personal to them. And when you impose sanctions that puts their job at risk, it sucks for them, <laughs> obviously. Punishment also has to be prompt, and we often blow this one. Punishment is often delivered quite distant from the behavior. An investigation, the person has to get caught, the investigation happens, uh, the justice system's been put in, you sit down with HR, and they make you sign a sheet of paper. That's not prompt. It's not like getting spanked by your parents right when you stick your finger in the, in the birthday cake, right, of your brother. <laughs> That's prompt. That will stop you from sticking your finger in the cake. But most importantly, the third P, punishment has to be probable. And on this one, we're not even close. Ask yourself what the probability is that somebody will get punished if they violate a rule. You know, first of all, they have to get caught. That likely? Secondly, the supervisor, if they catch him, has to decide if the paperwork and the resulting disgruntled workers are worth following through on the discipline. I mean, go ahead. Try and put a percentage on the probability that rule violations at your site will result in discipline. I'll bet you it's below 1% of the time. So workers learn that threats are not acted on. This makes the discipline program an ineffective deterrent compared to the personal prompt and probable reinforcing benefits of taking these shortcuts. If this is the case, then we've perfectly set up the environment for people to take these shortcuts. Our system of punishment will not protect them. In fact, discipline programs may even decrease safety by decreasing our attention as managers to the needs of our workers to have an environment where they can work safe. I'm always amazed when managers and workers scratch their head when they're discussing an at-risk behavior that seems to go against the rules. They ask themselves, well, why are they doing this? They know it's against the rules. It's as if they think the rule locks in the behavior compulsively. But baby, you know, behavior doesn't work that way. The competing personal, prompt, and probable consequences of taking a shortcut will win some, if not all the time. We build a fortress of rules with a discipline program that often gives us the illusion that we have control over the risks that could have been taken, be taken in our workforce. It's an illusion, folks. We think we have control over what's going on because we have these rules and discipline. That ain't the case. It shapes complacency among leaders and, frankly, reinforces a culture among supervisors of going out and finding faults instead of working with the employees to find solutions. This dysfunctional practice truly kills your safety culture. This is Tim breaking into this podcast to tell you about my book, Dysfunctional Practices That Kill Your Safety Culture. A manager finds himself on top of a stepladder, 
A woman removes the guard to her machine. A worker is not wearing her safety glasses in the plant. A rustabout uses the wrong size clamp instead of retrieving the right tool. A supervisor teaches a new worker to take a shortcut. A mechanic climbs on top of an active machine to find the oil leak. Why, why do these folks do these things? Is it because they're stupid? We'll find out. Read or listen to the first chapter of Dysfunctional Practices on safetydoc.com. Dysfunctional Practices, available now on Amazon and Lulu.com. And now, back to our podcast. Now, don't get me wrong. There needs to be cardinal rules. Those who violate these rules, putting themselves and others in grave danger, do need to come in contact with consequences within proper justice procedures. You know, I remember standing up at uh, one of my first behavioral safety programs when I was setting up a, uh, an employee team to run the program. It was a group of steel workers in Ohio. We had just got done talking in our session about how observations must be no name and no blame. When peers observe other peers, write it down on these cards and turn it in, they, they have to be no name and no blame in order to earn the participation of the workforce to enlist them to help us find solutions to these at-risk behaviors. During one of the breaks, you know, these steel workers, big guys, had me up against the wall, big fingers pointing at my chest. They're insisting that, hey, Tim, there are things in this plant that can kill you, and I will not stand by and let a fellow worker who has a family that I know avoid discipline. They need to know that we cannot do these things. And, you know, they were right. And I've been designing my behavioral safety programs with this in mind ever since. Discipline must be a part of an active safety management system because it can work. But it should at least be the last line of defense and not dependent on as the primary behavior management tactic. Like I said, by the time somebody needs to be disciplined, heck, we've already lost. Behavioral science provides alternatives to punishment to decrease the at-risk behavior. The first is simple extinction. The fact of the matter is that the at-risk behavior is being reinforced by something. Take that something away. <laughs> Easier said than done, right? Maybe hard to do because it's difficult to take to make uh, shortcuts more difficult. Often shortcuts are more convenient, easier to do, and make more sense in the process. We'll have to build better processes. Secondly, a more functional way is, is scientifically known as, quote, differential reinforcement of desired behaviors, unquote. This is a fancy way of saying, you know, go out and reinforce the safe behaviors, and the at-risk behaviors will be replaced. Reinforcing safe behaviors is a big part of behavioral safety programs that foster cultures where reinforcement is the norm. Is reinforcement the norm at your site? Build discipline through reinforcement instead of punishment, and you'll get much more sustainable results. Well, Tim, I get results when I fire someone every now and then. You know, the final illusion espoused by that VP during that evening dinner is that when people see someone get fired, they give, begin to comply with the rules and expectations. Well, <laughs> not true. The 
punishment did not happen to them. Yes, they saw what happened, and yes, they know it would suck for them too. Yes, they want to avoid it. The problem is that most people don't know specifically what they need to do to avoid the punishment. This is because punishment can seem very arbitrary and unevenly distributed. Go ahead and ask your workers which among them is the golden child who can do no wrong and which of the workers are the usual suspects and just seem to always have the ire of the supervisors. To most, it's unclear how you may stay away from this ire. This leads to what the science calls superstitious behavior, meaning folks will just start doing whatever they need to do to avoid being on the bad side of the boss. It's really just a shotgun approach trying to discover what works. You know, workers are a lot better than salaried people at this. They learn quickly that when the boss comes around, all they need to do is do a little whistle to alert each other and then pull out the measuring tape because nobody can get in trouble measuring stuff. But a threatening work environment sends salaried folks into frenzies of activity when somebody gets fired or even when they're called out by the boss. They simply don't know or should I say, you simply don't know, how to really avoid these seemingly arbitrary events. Perhaps this is based on the boss's mood that day. So because we don't really know how to avoid these arbitrary events, we start doing a bunch of stuff, the equivalent of measuring things in salary terms, or worse, we pass on the threats and bad mood to the next level of our workers. So, my answer to that VP that night was not what he expected. He said, Sir, you're under the illusion that what you're doing works, but what you're really getting is a bunch of random activity from your reports and attempt to gain your favor or maybe just avoid you. My guess is that your bosses did the same to you over your career, and you're the one that figured out how to suck up to them. So is it the sucking up behavior what you're really looking for? I earned a laugh for that reply. So folks, you know, discipline is the last resort. Don't make it the linchpin of your safety management systems. Don't let your leaders think the same. Instead, work to build your safety management system so you can listen to your workers, help them find a solution, and learn from them on how your systems could be better designed so the rule-breaking, the at-risk behaviors are not reinforcing. Instead, you've built a culture of reinforcement that replaces the need for discipline. Y'all take care. See you next time. This podcast is a production of safetydoc.com and is copyrighted by Timothy Ludwig, Ph.D., all rights reserved. For those small doses of inspiration, visit safetydoc.com. If you would like Dr. Ludwig to speak at your corporate or society safety function, simply use the contact link on safetydoc.com. Thanks for listening.